Wow. 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 Let's stand together right now. No comment. <laughs> Somebody shout, be real. <laughs> wow, wow. Let's give God praise for all the awesome videos we've seen. Praise the Lord. Before we, before we uh, get into the word, we want to thank God for everybody that has worked with the fight of your life. It took a lot to put this on over three weeks. And how many know it's really not in style anymore to have people come to church over three weeks? You can barely get people to come out for one day a week. Come on, say amen. amen. And so, but we felt led of God that we wanted to encourage people through the word of God. How many have been blessed in your time that you've been here? Come on, come on, you can do better. How many have been blessed? Praise the Lord. What we're going to do right now is we're just going to give honor to God and spend time in prayer and ask for his spirit. Father, right now, as we get prepared for your word, God, we don't want to be like the video where we're doing all this religious stuff that we think impresses you, but you really want to know us. You want to be in us. God, we're doing so much for you, God, that you are not even in us. And God, you're trying to get in us. And so right now, we just invite you to come into our hearts where our hands are lifted towards heaven right now. We just say, into my heart, into my heart. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Come in today. Come in to stay. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Now, as we get into the word, we ask for nothing less than the spirit of God to help us. We cannot understand the word of God on our own. This is not a exposition. This is not a, a entertainment moment. This is the word of God speaking to us, and we want to be able to hear what you are saying. So speak, Lord, right now, all over the building. Just ask God to speak to you. Speak, Lord. Speak, Lord. Speak, Lord. We are listening. For Christ's sake, we pray. And everyone said amen and amen. Remain standing. Your Bibles, thy word. Come on, talk to me now. It's the last night, not the last day, but it's the last night. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my pathway. The word of God. The word of God. Come on. The word of God is my textbook. Not tradition. Not in my opinion. But the word of God is my textbook. Give God some praise in here tonight. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Praise God. I'm fired up tonight, y'all. I'm fired up and ready to go. Fired up? <laughs> fired up? Yes, yes, yes. We give God praise. This has been awesome. How many, how many can say your life has been changed or touched in some kind of way? Amen. God has been good to us, and we give his name to praise. And the focus has all been about the word. Amen? How many of you have actually got into the word as a result of this? How many have been spending time in the scriptures and beginning to seek the face of God? That's what it's all about. Let me say this real quick. If, if, if all you got out of this is what I preached and you did not go back and study for yourself, uh, then you have become nothing more than you already were. Yeah, 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 yeah. The purpose of preaching is not to give revelation, but it's to give confirmation. In other words, you've been, because you've been reading your word all week long and because you've been seeking God on your own, when the preacher preaches, you're simply just getting confirmation on what God has already been saying to you. You understand what I'm saying? Have you ever been there before where God has already been dealing with you on something and the next thing you know, some, some preacher, nappy-headed preacher, bald-headed, wherever he is, starts preaching the word of God and you're like, man, God just told me that the other day. And it gives you energy, it gives you strength 
to keep fighting because you know that you're on the right track. I don't know about you, but, it, but I just like to know that I'm going in the right direction. Come on, say amen. I've tried it my way long enough. And by the way, just throwing this out here, if, if whatever you have been doing has been working for you, then this is not for you. But if you're one of those frustrated people who's tired of just going through the, uh, the routine and, 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 and repenting of a sin and going back to it, um, this, ain't for, this, this is for you. These are for folk that are tired of where they are and they're ready to go to another level in God. If, if that's you tonight, just put your hand in the air. Don't make me feel like I'm by myself. Okay. All right. We're in the right place tonight. Contentment is the worst attitude to have as a, as a Christian. If you ever get content, what am I saying? If you ever feel like, oh, I'm good. I'm straight. I don't need to go out tonight. Now, I don't need to read my Bible. Don't need to pray this morning. I just need to hurry up and get to work. See, that kind of attitude gets you knocked out by the devil. That's the kind of stuff that gets you caught off guard by the devil. When you leave your house in the morning and you have not spent time with God, you are literally walking outside spiritually uncovered, spiritually naked. And you are, you are prone to any attack of the devil. That's why I tell people all the time, never say, I will never do A, B, and C. You will do anything if you are not, co- come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. If you're not covered in God, come on, say amen, somebody. How many have found themselves doing stuff that you had no business, that you said you would never do, but you ended up doing it simply because you realized, yet, actually, I'm worse than I thought I was. Come on, say amen, somebody. Every now and then a thought will come in your mind and you'll be like, whoa, where'd that come from? Yeah, 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 it wasn't the devil. (laughs) Come on, say amen. It was you, amen? And so we've been discovering that the fight of our lives is really a fight for our what? What does the screen say, everybody? A fight for our what, everybody? It's been a fight for our faith. How many believe that you're getting the victory, though? You may not necessarily have crossed the finish line, but how many claim victory tonight that you are going to have your faith? That if you go, if, if, if before you die, you're going to at least leave with one thing. You may not be able to give no money to anybody. You may not be able to give an estate, but I'm going to, I'm going to have some faith. Come on, say amen. amen. That's why we all fight. Somebody say fight. fight. Oh, come on in here. Say it like you say it when you're mad and somebody done got on your nerves and you're ready to go to work. Somebody say fight. fight. The good fight. Good come on, talk. Say fight. fight. The good fight good. of faith. And how many know it's a good fight? How many know it's a good fight? Yeah, 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 yeah. Fighting for our faith. All the other fights we fight are really not that good, but the fight for our faith is good. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. Tonight I'm so excited because the Lord has given me a word, and I'm ready to share it with you. Uh, Christ has seven. How many does he have, everybody? He has seven. Talk back to me. How many does he have? He has seven salvation punches. Because we're using the theme of of fighting for your life, I'm I'm trying to work with this thing tonight. How many know that, that God doesn't just stand back and get punched, but God actually Dishes some blows. Come on, say amen. Amen. And I believe that he has seven. The Bible reveals that there are seven crucial salvation punches to Satan's kingdom. Are you ready for him? You should know him by now. What's number one? Somebody tell me what number one is. Huh? Number one is he came. Come on, say amen. (laughs) Yes, he loves us, but he had to demonstrate that love. Amen. He came. The first thing he did to totally annihilate the plan of the enemy is he came. Somebody say he came. The second thing is he died. Come on, say amen, somebody. He died. You ought to know what the next one is. What did he do? Number three, he rose. Yes, and and by him raising himself from the dead. He said, nobody takes my life. (laughs) I like Jesus. He said, I lay it down. You don't take it from me. I lay it down. Here you go, Satan. Have it. And the Bible says, but he did not stay there. He rose with all power in his hand. Amen. 
And then he did what? He ascended. Uh, now, this is very crucial. If Jesus simply was resurrected from the dead and stayed down here, he would not have inherited his right as the king of the universe. He would not have bought back the price of his government. Satan stole his government here on earth. But because he went back to his father and sat on the right hand of the father, the Bible says that because at the name of Jesus, he says now every knee will bow. Do you realize that we're going to talk about that tonight? One day Satan is going to get down on his knees and bow down and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Every breathing human being that has ever lived one day will confess. They will bow down and confess that he is Lord. And we're going to tell you how it's going to happen. Now, we just showed you what he did. Now, this is what he's going to do. What's the next thing? What's his next move, everybody? What's his next move, everybody? Look, and that to me, to me, that changes the game. And what I'm saying is, is if Jesus is not coming back, then pretty much do whatever you want to do. Yeah, you have no hope. There's no hope. I mean, if life is simply living in Cleveland, going to school, working, raising a family, if that's all there is to life, if there is nothing beyond the grave, nothing beyond my job, nothing beyond my marriage, then, then we are most miserable. Would you say amen? Now this right here, this idea, hallelujah, this gives me something to live for. In other words, how many know we all will die at some point? Amen? And, but, but there is something beyond the grave. There is something beyond death. There is something to look forward to. And Jesus says, I am coming again. Somebody shout amen on that. Amen. And he's coming real soon. Amen? And the, the seventh thing that he's going to do is he is going to destroy sin and Satan. I mean, let me talk to the side over here. I said, I, I, I think I got some, some shouting folk over here. I said he is going to destroy sin and Satan. I, I don't know. I don't know. Y'all not talking. Over here. I said he's going to destroy sin and Satan. <laughs> Thank, praise God. Y'all got, if y'all have Brother Cavers, y'all have been weak. Now, I'm going to ask y'all in the center. Y'all got more numbers. But I said he's going to destroy sin and Satan. All right. I got my numbers wrong. Actually, this is number seven. And he will reunite with us. That's his goal. Let's get into it. Let's summarize very quickly. Number one, in week one, we discovered Satan is at war against the government and character and the law of who? Now, this is why we talked about the law, the commandments, why the commandments should be kept. Let me tell you why. Anybody tells you we're not under the law, guess what? They're right. We're under grace. Amen? But guess what? You can't have grace without a law. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What is grace? Grace is unmerited favor. And what's unmerited favor? It's getting what I don't deserve. Why do I get salvation even though I don't deserve it? Well, because you lost it. Well, how did I lose it? Because I broke God's law. And so God's law is in place to show me how much of a mess I am. If I don't have law, then I don't know what I've done wrong. The Bible says that sin is the transgression of the law. Don't throw the law out because if you throw the law out, then you don't know if you sin. And if you don't know if you've sinned, you won't come to God. And if you don't come to God, you're going to hell. Come on, say amen. amen. The law points us to who, everybody? Points us to who, everybody? It points us to Christ. We need the law. It's a mirror. I need to know that I should not have any other gods before me. 
I need to know that I should not make idols and make and, and, and worship people and things above God. I need to know that I should not take his name in vain. Amen. I need to know that I remember his Sabbath day to keep it holy. Amen. I want to know I, I need somebody to show me to honor my father and my mother. Let the parents say amen. I need a law that tells me not to commit adultery. Come on in here, somebody. I need a law that tells me that I should not steal or kill. I should not lie. I should not covet. I need a law because if there's no law, I don't know that I'm a sinner. Come on in here, somebody. So no, no, we do not throw away the law. The law cannot save us, but thank God it'll lead us to a savior. Come on in here, somebody. Yes, number two, we recognize in week two that God's law leads you to Jesus and protects you. Amen? Amen. All laws are given for protection. All laws are given for protection. And number three, what we're discovering, and we're going to end this thing on tonight and Saturday, Satan's last move and God's last move. What's Satan's last move? What's his last move? What is it? What's God's last move? We're going to show you right now. This is going to be startling. It's going to blow your mind. Now, quick question. Somebody asked me the other night. I said I'm going to take some time to just look at it. We talked about the book of life and the judgment. How many remember that? We talked about that on Tuesday night. And one of the questions that was raised says, if our sins, this is a good question, if our sins are cast into the sea of forgetfulness, how many have ever heard that before? That, 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 that when we confess our sins, that, that, that Christ takes our sins and throws them into the sea of forgetfulness. Does that, does that sound good to somebody out there? That idea? Have you ever done anything that you want to be forgotten? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so the question was, if our sins are cast into the sea of forgetfulness, when we get to heaven, because one of the things I told you, when we get to heaven, you'll see it again tonight, God is going to give us an opportunity to look through the books and to see the literal salvation history of everybody that ever lived. That's what the word of God teaches in Revelation 20, which we'll look at tonight. The question was, okay, you said God cast our sins into the sea of forgetfulness. Well, why would he allow folk to see my sins when I get to heaven? Huh? Is that a good question? I think that's a good question. And so here's the answer. First, we need to ask ourselves this question. Is there such thing as a sea of forgetfulness? Does the Bible... Does the Bible even say there's a sea of forgetfulness? Who, who believes that there, the Bible says there's a sea of forgetfulness? Uh, uh, raise your hand. All right, who doesn't believe that there is? Uh, y'all don't want to answer. <laughs> ah, you know it's a setup, right? All right, look at Micah 7, 19. The Bible says, you will again have compassion on us. This is, what the, this is the text that we often use. You will tread our sins underfoot, amen? And hurl all our iniquities into the depths of the sea. That's it. It doesn't say it's a sea of forgetfulness. All right. But, 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 but there is scripture that talks about God forgetting our sins. Amen. Okay. I'll help you out. Hebrews 10, 17. The Bible says, then he adds this. Their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. So what, what has happened here is people have taken the sea, casting our sins into the depths of the sea. And I've heard people say stuff like, and there's some parts of the sea that are so deep that people can't even go down there. And there's a sign up there that says no fishing. Y'all, you heard that before. People like to hear that. Can't fish after my sins. So we take that text, the depths of the sea, and then we take this text that says he will remember our sins no more. And we make up a sea of forgetfulness. Can I tell you all something real quick? Straighten all this out. God can't forget nothing. It's an impossibility for God to forget. All right. But see, this is the good thing about God. What he does is he chooses not to remember. There's a difference between forgetting and choosing not to remember. Choosing not to remember simply says, I'm not going to hold it against you. 
I'm not going to throw it in your face. Do you think that because you confess the sin that God never like it's like he cannot remember it at all? Like he just gets amnesia? No, he's all knowing. He's God. But see, the awesome thing about this is, oh, bless, bless his name. No matter what you've done, how, no matter how bad it was, God says, I choose when they repent not to remember it anymore. So now let's go to heaven. When we get to heaven and we are there for the thousand years, we're going to talk about it tonight. And we're able to look at the books. Guess what? If you make it to heaven, your sins ain't going to be in the book. You know why? Because they would have been covered. So you don't need to worry about if you plan on getting there. That's the question. If you plan on getting there, nobody's going to be up there looking at your sins. Because if you get there, if you get there, you ain't going to have nothing to look at. Come on in here, somebody. (laughs) Because they would have been covered. Bible says we are justified by faith. The word justified comes from the Hebrew word, which means to cover. God covers our sins. He chooses not to remember. You and I can't do that. Anybody ever been done wrong by anybody in here tonight? Have you ever been done wrong by somebody? Have you, for, have you forgotten about it? Oh, you can't forget. But, but, but how many have been so converted and changed by Jesus that even though you see the person that has done you wrong, I was talking to my brother today and he was telling me a year ago I was going to knock this dude out if I saw him because of what he did to me. But I saw him today. Am I telling the truth? And he said all I had was compassion on him. God does that. He can take it away if your daddy walked out on you. God can take away unforgiveness. Hallelujah. He remembers our sins no more. He does not forget. He chooses not to remember. I banish it from my mind. Oh, my God. What a mighty God we serve. Ah, now, Pastor gave me this line. I said, I got to put this in my sermon tonight. Now, hear this, y'all. What I'm going to tell you tonight is startling. It's, it's, it's need to know information. Satan does not want me to preach this. That's why I had to save it to the end. God is fighting to save us. Amen. So my question is, how can we, Pastor phrase as well, how can we be lost except we choose to be lost? If anybody is lost, it's not because it was so hard to be saved. They were lost because they chose to be lost. Tonight's message is entitled, Don't Be Deceived, Your Mama's Name is Eve. <laughs> Ronnie Levin. You ready? Now, real quick. God is what? Love. God is what? Love. All right. Watch this now. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to show you how, we, how we're getting to where we are today. This message right now, I got to set this thing up so you'll know. What I'm basically about to tell you tonight is, what's Satan really up to? I have I have not totally exposed this throughout the meeting, but tonight I'm going to tell you what he practically is of trying to do. Here we go. The Bible says in first John four, dear friends, come on, read with me. Let us love one another for love comes from everyone who loves has been born of and whoever does not love uh, does not know God because God is love. So love and God are not two separate realities, but love and God are the same thing. So if you say love, you really mean God. Amen. Amen. God created us. Next point. To experience his love. That's why you and I were created. The only reason why you exist is because God wanted to share his love with you. Have you ever thought, 
Why did God even create human beings in the first place if he knew we were going to get into all this stuff? Come on, say amen. Anybody ever thought that? I mean, if you knew, if you were pregnant with a child, before you were pregnant with a child, if you somehow knew that this child was going to try to kill you, would you have the baby? If you knew that, not try to kill you, if you knew that the child would kill you one day, would you still have the baby? Jesus, in spite of knowing that the baby was going to kill him, created the baby anyway. You know why? Because he still wanted that wretched, raunchy child to experience his love, even though it would cost him his life. That's love. That's unconditional. Genesis 1 says, so God created mankind in his own image. What is God's image? His image is love. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God did what everybody? He blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase, not just have children, but in other words, perpetuate more love in the earth. Next point. Satan became jealous of God and brought sin. So when God decided to create man, Satan was not Satan. He didn't even exist. Satan was an angel in heaven. And he was the angel above angels. Amen? Isaiah 14 tells us the story. It says, you said in your heart, I will ascend. Talking about, this was, was in Satan's mind. He says, I will ascend to heaven, to the heavens. I will do what everybody, I will raise my, dude, you don't got no throne. Above the stars of, I will sit in throne on the mount I will ascend above the top of the clouds. He's trying to take himself higher and higher. I will make myself like the most high. In other words, he didn't like the idea that God was the all-powerful, all-knowing, all-almighty God. He became jealous and he said, so I think I ought to be God. Ezekiel 28 tells us more in verse 17. Read with me. Your heart became proud on account of your beauty and you corrupted your wisdom because of your splendor. So he got caught up in himself, got proud and says, I want to take God down. I'll be a better God. And let me just say this out here. Anytime we sin, we are simply saying, God, you die. I know better than you. Every time we sin, we are asking God to die. We are saying, you don't know what you're doing. I know what I'm doing. I know what's best for my life. The same spirit that was in Satan to commit the first sin is the same spirit that's in all of us every time we sin. We make a decision simply saying, I'm not going to follow the word of God. I'm going to do it my way because my way is safer. It's better. I know better than God, which suggests I am God. Then there was what, everybody? So because he had beef with God, there was war. And we know this was not a war of fisticuffs and people fighting, but it was a war of words. And the Bible says that then war broke out where? Michael and his angels did what? Fought against the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought back. And I told you, I know some people say, and you go on the internet, you pull up Michael. Some people say, well, Michael is not Jesus. Listen, don't ever think here that we're making Jesus less than God. Jesus is God. Period. Don't get it twisted. But I surmise that Michael is not just an angel. There's no angel out there that can throw Satan out of heaven. 
I, I, I disagree with those that say Michael is just an angel. Ain't no angel out there that was stronger. Lucifer was, there was Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all on the same level. And right below them was Lucifer. God created him better than everybody else. And that's why he got proud and wanted to be God. Do you think that another angel named Michael could come and destroy Satan, kick him out of heaven, if he was more powerful than the rest? I contest you today. The Hebrew word for Michael is the word one who is God. And Michael is the warrior name for Jesus. Anytime you see the name, anytime you see the name Michael, I, you study it yourself. Don't take my word for it. Anytime you see the word Michael in scripture, you will see a divine, like, majestic being who stands up and does God type stuff. It's his warrior name. It's the name he puts on when he's ready to kick some behind. Come on in here, somebody. Every now and then when I'm praying, I'll say, Michael, show up. Michael, get down here. I don't want the lamb. I want Michael down here. I want the lion of the tribe of Judah. <laughs> yeah. The Bible says there was war in heaven. Michael put him out. And watch this. The Bible says, but he was not strong enough. And they lost their place in heaven. They, they who? Lucifer, Satan, and the angels. The Bible says, and the great dragon, that's, his, that's Satan's other name. That's Satan's warrior name. See, Michael is Jesus' warrior name, and the dragon is Satan's warrior name. The dragon was hurled down. That ancient serpent, there goes another name. He's this who he is, called who? The devil, or who? Just in case you forget, he leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. Come on, say amen. amen. The next thing we learn and discover is that since he couldn't beat God, He came after, the word is missing, he came after God's children. Isn't that what you do when you can't beat somebody? When you can't beat them, then you just start messing with their stuff. You just start bothering people that's connected with them. And so he says, I could not beat God. He kicked my behind. He kicked me out of heaven. So I know the only the way that I can get back at God is to mess with the folk. Does anybody know what I'm talking about in here? To come and bother the folk that he loves so much. And the Bible says in verse 12 of Revelation 12, read with me, therefore rejoice you heavens and you who dwell in them, but woe to the earth and the, because the devil has come down to you, he is filled with what? Fury, because he knows that he has a short time. So not only is he a desperate devil pulling out every stop he can, but he also is desperate because he knows that time is short. His strategy, therefore, is to do what? Deceive and lie, then kill and destroy. Can I take my text on it? The Bible says in Genesis 3.1, now the serpent, we have found out who he is. Who is the serpent, everybody? That's right. Was more crafty than any other of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God really say? Watch that. Did you catch that? What is he trying to do? He's trying to insinuate that God is a liar. And then he goes on in verse 5. He says, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like what? Have you heard that before? He says, I will be like the most high. 
Amen. He distrusted God. All Satan is doing, he's running the same game on everybody. He ain't doing nothing new. He's trying to get people to distrust God. And then when he gets them to distrust God, he wants them to be God. That's the same thing that got him kicked out of heaven. And he's running the same game on us. John 8, 44 tells us his strategy. The Bible says he was a murderer from the beginning. Not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. (laughs) He lies. He speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. That's why Satan always has a counterfeit for God's original. He has a counterfeit day of worship. He has a counterfeit law. He has a counterfeit church. He has counterfeit. And his whole thing is, I'll take 99% truth. I'll put one lie in there. And it still is a lie because he's a deceiver. Stop always looking for the devil in the nightclubs. Stop always looking for the devil with the drug pushers. Stop always looking for the devil with, with, devil with the prostitutes. The devil is slick and he even works his way in the church. John 10 tells us this strategy. He's the, the thief comes only to do what? Steal, kill, and destroy. But notice the opposite. Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Have you ever asked yourself a question? Why is it that I want to do so badly what's wrong, but I don't want to do what's right? Why is that? When the Bible clearly says that Satan's agenda for us is to destroy us. Why is it that we want to do stuff that we know is going to kill us? Why? Bible says it's that, it's that old wretched man in us. The good we want to do. Come on in here, somebody. <laughs> we find ourselves not doing. Amen? And then the stuff, that, <laughs> stuff we want to do, we can't do that. Amen? He says he comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But God has come that we might have life and have it to the full. And then what happened? He tricked us. We fell. We sinned. And then we were doomed. And then what did God do? Now, if I was God, and I knew the baby was going to kill me, I'd have been like, okay, I'm going to zap that one. I'm going to zap that one. I'm going to zap that one. Oh, I'll give him one chance. Okay, one chance. Zap that one. Zap one. And especially for those of folks like myself who had to come to the Lord over and 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 over. Anybody out there? And over and over and over and over again and over and over and over again for the same stuff. I'm going to really zap that one. But was that God's strategy? Uh Uh-uh. God said, okay, that's all right. I'm going to send Jesus to die and clean up the sin mess. And in Revelation 13, this blew my mind. Watch this now. Even before we were born, God made up in his mind that he was going to die. Oh, oh, hold on, hold on. Did did y'all hear what I just said? Let me, hold on. Did you hear what I just said? Even before we were born, God made up in his mind. He saw what Satan was going to do. Have you ever, parents, those of you with children, can't sometimes you see your children getting into stuff before they get into it? And what you're doing is you are already planning to whoop they behind before they do it. What Jesus said is, "Uh uh-uh, I'm not going to plan to whoop they behind. I'm going to plan to take their place and die for them. Notice what the Bible says in Revelation 13, 8. It says the lamb who was slain from the creation of the world. In other words, Jesus made a decision, stay with me, to die for our sins even before we were born. 
Galatians says in verse four, chapter 4 and verse 4, read this one with me. I need your help on this one. But when the right time came, somebody shout the right time. Oh, come on, somebody say the right time. See, I need you to help me read it because I'm about to shout all around this text. The Bible says what? But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. Verse 5 says, God sent him to buy what? Freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. At the right time. Somebody shout, he's an on-time God. Yes, he is. And so where are we now? Now that he's done all this for us, every move that Satan has made, God has countered the punch. Come on, say amen. Every move Satan has made, God has come back. Bam! He's ducking him. He's weaving. He's got a punch. Every move, he's got a response. And so you say to yourself, after all that he has done, what's next? We got a choice. Joshua 24, 14 says, so fear the Lord and serve him what? Put away forever the idols your ancestors worshiped when they lived beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt, serve the Lord alone. But if you refuse to serve the Lord, the Bible says, then choose today who you going to serve. Come on, say amen. We got to choose. We're left with a choice. Now, Jesus has got to come back and get his children. He cannot leave them down here in this mess. Any good parent, like the prodigal son, you got to go get your children sometimes when they are in a mess. When, when you know your child can't get out of a mess, sometimes you got to go pull them out of a mess. Come on, say amen, somebody. And so that's why Jesus is coming back. Satan knows that his time is short. So here's the question, and I said all that to say this. We see what God has done. All the miraculous salvation exploits God has done for us. And so you're saying to yourself, if Satan knows, and I had to ask this question, if Satan knows he's lost, why won't he give up? No, I'm seriously. I mean, we always talk about how Satan has lost and, and we got the victory. We, we even say, uh, the Bible says that we are, we are overcomers. We're more than conquerors. So my question is, if Satan knows that he's fighting against God and he knows that he's got beat once, so why does he keep trying to drag as many people as possible to get caught up with him? Is it simply just to go and burn in hell with him? No, he's not interested in your company. People say that all the time. Satan just wants as many people to burn in hell with him. I'm telling you right now, that is not the reason why Satan is still working with fury. He don't care about company in hell. And if you study the scriptures carefully, you'll know that hell is not something you can be in anyway. Hell is an experience and it's going to end. It's going to burn up, consume it. It's going to be over, finished, done. I have, I, I'll explain that to y'all next week if y'all come back. The Bible says... In Matthew 6, I don't believe that our God is the kind of God that just stands around and watches people burn forever and ever. The Bible teaches against that, but we need to understand what forever and ever means. But I don't have time tonight to preach on that, so you got to come back and I'll tell you what that really means. The Bible really teaches that you're going to burn up. In other words, forever and ever means that you will forever be done, finished, over, hasta la vista. Come on, say amen. He will consume you. Boom, done. Just like Solomon Gomorrah, he sent fire. Boom. Does God want to sit around and watch people burn? Watch this. Matthew 16, 27. I'm about to show you. Help me, Holy Spirit. I need to pray. Father, right now, I need you to move. Reveal yourself right now, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. I am about to expose to you. I need everybody to buckle your seatbelts. I am getting ready to expose to you what Satan's real agenda is in trying to get us to compromise, 
to disobey and to not serve the Lord. Are you ready for this? If I've not said anything else, I need you to pay attention so you will know what you are fighting against. Notice now, the Bible says in Matthew 16, 27, talking about the coming of our Lord, for the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and he will reward each one according to his works. So we're clear on what God wants to do. God wants to come back and get us from this mess. Is everybody clear? Amen. So repeat after me. Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ is coming back, coming back to pull me out, pull me out of, this mess. of this mess. Understand that. Get that. Help me, help me, help me, Lord, to phrase this. The enemy wants to make the world look as attractive and pleasurable as possible so that you fall in love with a place that's on its road to destruction. Think about it. There's got to be something sinister about why we just want to do wrong. It's a setup. It's a conspiracy. You've been bamboozled. You've been hoodwinked. We know what Jesus is about. So watch this. The Bible says when he comes back, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of the archangel. We know that has, how that's going to happen. We talked about that. And with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise when? So when Jesus comes back, what's going to happen is the Bible says the dead in Christ will rise first. People will come out of their graves. Those that have died. They don't, I, don't, I mean, you can't, a movie cannot even describe it. People are going to pop out of their graves who knew the Lord. John 5, 28 and 29 says, marvel not at this, at this, for the hour is coming, stay with me now, in which all that are in the graves, I'm about to expose them, you got to hang in there though, shall hear his what? And shall come forth, talking about those that have died in the Lord, they shall come forth. By the way, I don't have time to teach on it tonight, but I encourage you to come in a few weeks. I'm going to tell you why, that's why when we die, we don't go to heaven. It don't make no sense for us to die and go to heaven. And then when Jesus Christ comes back, he calls us forth from the grave and then we come up. That don't make sense. I don't know about you. If I'm Lazarus, you remember Lazarus? The Bible said Lazarus died. Come on, say amen. Didn't he die? Okay, when he died, if he died and went to heaven, why would God, if I was Lazarus, I wouldn't want you to bring me back. Am I right about it? What? If I died, like Lazarus died, and everybody was sad for him. But if, if, if he went to heaven when he died, then God did him a disservice to resurrect him and bring him out of heaven. I'll be like, no, 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 I'm not coming out. Tell my sisters to leave me alone. I'm chilling up here eating fruit from the tree of life. I'm not coming back. Come on in here, somebody. That's why it's a contradiction. And this too was a lie of the enemy. And I know it's something that many of us hold true to, but I can't teach on it tonight. But understand this very clearly, that when he calls the dead forth, when Jesus Christ comes back, only one group is coming up. The Bible says those that have died in Christ will come up. And then the Bible says, and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. So watch that now. There are two resurrections we just saw. Did you catch that? Number one, the first resurrection is the resurrection of salvation. And then the Bible says there is the resurrection of damnation. Now, in, the, in both of these resurrections, help me to teach this thing tonight, Lord. We see the plot of the enemy that really exposes what his main goal is in getting us connected with him. How many resurrections did I say, everybody? 
All right, number one. Let's look at number one. The Bible says this is how it's going to happen. First Corinthians 15, 52 and 53. Help me now. We shall all be what? When Jesus Christ comes back, we will be changed. For this corruptible, in other words, this, this mortal, this human, all the stuff we have must put on incorruption. In other words, we're going to go from, from, from our messed up sinful state to a sinless state. Amen? And then in verse 17 of 1 Thessalonians 4, the Bible says, then we who are alive. So catch this now. When Jesus Christ comes back, those of us who are alive, are you ready? And remain. We're not dead, but we're alive. We've witnessed his coming. We're not in the grave. The Bible says, shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. So catch this now. Those that are dead, when Christ comes back, those that are dead in Christ. I'm going to say in Christ. The dead in Christ will come up because they will hear his voice. And those of us that are in, in relationship with Christ, when we see him, we are going to be caught up in the air with those that have died in the Lord. And the Bible says that we will meet the Lord in the air. And thus, we shall always be with the Lord. The Bible says in 2 Thessalonians 1.8, In the flaming fire, take vengeance on those who do not know God. Here we go now. So we know what happens with those who know God. They're going to be caught up. Amen? And on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, what will happen to them? Whom the Lord will consume. Somebody say consume. With the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. So what happens is you have the righteous first resurrection. They are resurrected when Christ comes back. Only those that are in relationship with Christ can be able to stand his glory. And so those of us that are alive are going to be caught up with those that come out of the graves. But those who do not know the Lord on the day of his terrible judgment, when he comes clothed in majesty, those that are those that are disobedient to Christ and who have not accepted him as their Lord and Savior, the Bible says at that very moment that Christ is revealed, they will be destroyed. They will fall dead. Jeremiah 25, 33. I'm almost done here. Stay with me. And at that day, the slain of the Lord... The Bible, now watch this now. The slain, talking about those who did not accept Christ. When he comes, the Bible says the slain of the Lord shall be from one end of the earth even to the other end. In other words, there will be a whole bunch of folk that are not going to be saved that will be destroyed by the brightness of his coming. The Bible says from one end of the earth to the other. Dead bodies. They were not... They were not used to being in his presence before. So when he shows up, they will not be able to tolerate his presence for real. They shall not be lamented. Nobody's going to mourn for them. When you're standing there and Jesus Christ comes back and you see somebody who dies at the brightest of the coming, you're not going to be like, oh my God! Oh, oh my God! Oh. Nobody's going to lament. Matter of fact, I'll tell you what you're going to You're going to be like, thank God. It wasn't me. Come on, say amen. Thank God. It wasn't me. The Bible says they shall not be lamented or gathered or buried. They shall become refused on the ground. Now break that down, Pastor Edmonds. Come on. I had, I had to tell myself. Break that down. Break it down one more time. All right? Somebody shout break it down. Break it down. I almost felt a James Brown hit right there. You know, boom. All right. All right, there we go. Break it down one more time. So what happens is this. Jesus Christ does what? The righteous living do what? The righteous dead are what? And the wicked living are what? 
Is that clear? All right. Resurrection number two, what happens and when does it happen? So far, we've only seen in Scripture that there will be one resurrection. But in Revelation 20, my favorite chapter in the Bible, we see that there will be a second resurrection. What will happen with all the slain, wicked folk that have died? Now, when I say wicked, some of y'all are thinking about Anthony Sowell. You're thinking about people who are doing... Who done. There are going to be people who are slain who are simply part-time Christians. They were good folk. Uh, you know, they didn't, really, they didn't do nothing wrong. They never killed nobody, but they never accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior. They ignored all of his admonitions. They ignored his spirit. And they had gotten to a place where they were just comfortable with God only on speaking terms. So here's resurrection number two. How many, I heard somebody say, uh, born once, die twice, born twice, die once. Is that right? Did I say that right? Born once, no, uh, no, I'm sorry. Born twice, die once. Born physically, born again, die once. (laughs) Yeah, did you get it, everybody? Born twice, die once. Uh, 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 Now now, now help me out. If I'm born twice, uh uh-huh. Born, born, born of the flesh, then born in back, and then born again. I die how many times? I die one time. Now, if I do the opposite, how many times? I, how many times am I going to go down? I'm going to go down two times. Uh, Lord have mercy. Are you ready to see it? Here it goes. Resurrection number two reveals Satan's sinister plan. What we're saying is, is those that have only been born once of the flesh they were not born again they will die twice they will die by the brightness of Christ coming and then there will be a second time they are resurrected and then they will be consumed by hell's fire I'm about to show you right now I don't know about you but I'd rather be born twice come on say amen here it goes resurrection number two reveals Satan's sinister plan in Revelation 20 my favorite text here it goes now watch this the Bible says and I saw an angel come down out of heaven This is after the second coming of Christ. Having the key to the abyss and holding in his hand a great chain, he seized, now when you find your shouting point, you just put it in the air. Put it in the air, just put it in the atmosphere. He seized the dragon. Who is the dragon? Uh Uh-huh, it'll tell you. That ancient serpent who is the devil or, so understand now, after Jesus Christ comes back, those that uh, are dead in the Lord come out of the grave. Those that are alive are caught up with him in the air. We go to heaven with the Lord. And those that have been wicked are on the earth. This is what happens next. An angel comes with a chain and he seizes Satan. And the Bible says, and binds him for how many years? And he threw him into the abyss and locked and sealed it over him to keep him from dis. From deceiving the nations anymore until the thousand years were in. Did you hear that? Listen up, everybody. Stay with me tonight. Lord God, help me to preach this thing like I know it. Hear me tonight. Did you hear what I just told you? There was a day coming when Satan is going to be locked up. Where he can't deceive nobody no more. Watch this. So Satan, the Bible says, will be bound for how many years? People call that the millennium. Now, the word millennium is not in the Bible. It simply means milli, which means a thousand, and a newium, which simply means years. So a thousand years. Have anybody ever heard the millennium before? Some people teach that the millennium is going to happen when Jesus comes. We all going to be down here living, living la vida loca. 
We're going to be living lovely. We're going to be living well. He ain't coming down here to set up a kingdom until he has consumed it with fire. See, all he's going to be doing is coming down here and bringing righteousness with sin. We ain't seeing that no more. So during this 1,000-year period, Satan is bound for 1,000 years. Now, that just goes to show how powerful God is. At any moment God wants to, he can say, let me send an angel down here, hold him down. Watch this. And the Bible says he puts him in the abyss or the abusos, which we call uh, the bottomless pit. Now, what that simply means is Satan is left on planet Earth. Now, this will blow your mind. For a thousand years, he is by himself. Hear this. The word abusos comes from the Hebrew word in Genesis where it says the earth was created without, when it was created, it was without form and void. In other words, the, the earth is going to be desolate of any creation. And for a thousand years, God was going to say to Satan, uh, I'm going to give you one more chance to be God. You know what really being God is? The ability to create. So I'm going to leave you here. You can create your own followers. You can create your own church. You can see even the stuff Satan does, he can't even do it unless God allows him. So now he says for a thousand years, do your thing. Be God. You big and bad? Go ahead. And all the righteous are with me in heaven, and we're going to watch you do your, do your thing. Watch this. The Bible says, after that, he must set free for a short time. He must be what? So after the thousand years, then God's going to say, all right, time's up. I, I, I put you in timeout. Now you can come out. Watch what happens. The Bible says, and I saw thrones on which were seated those who had been given authority to judge. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony about Jesus and because of the word of God. They had not worshipped the beast or its image and had not received its mark on their forehead or their hands. So right now, Satan said, God says, I'm going to let him loose. He's coming out of timeout. Go ahead, do your thing. Watch this. After a thousand years, he says, I'm going to set him loose. Then they came to life and raised with Christ a thousand years. So understand now, we will be with Christ in heaven while Satan is loose on the earth. Nobody alive yet. Just him. I'll be clear. Bible says in verse 5, the rest of the dead, and explains it, did not come to life until, that's clear, is it not? The thousand years were what? This is the first resurrection. So watch this now. Christ raises the dead in Christ. That's the first resurrection. Now here's the second. Number six, verse six said, blessed and holy are those who share in the what? How many want to come up in number one? Come on, say amen. It says the second death, I told you there was two deaths, has no power over them, but they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him for what? Man, that's clear. It's clear. It tells me if I'm saved, I'm going to be with him for how many years? And I'm going to reign with him and I'm going to judge as a priest. Now watch this. Watch this. Watch this. Buckle your seatbelts. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 6, 2, uh, 2 and 3, talks about our, judge, our judgment. It says, do you not know that the saints will judge the world? Do you not know that we shall judge angels? But check this out. We ain't going to judge right now. You know why? Because you can't. <laughs> Here it goes. The Bible says, and I saw thrones. They that sat on them and judgment was committed to them. So there will come a time for you to judge, but you can't judge right now. Because you don't got enough information. You don't even know yourself. 
how are you going to judge somebody else? Come on, say amen, somebody. So, quick, quick review, and I'm going to give you the close. Satan is, is shortly set free. That's scary. Then number two, the righteous are in heaven reigning and judging the books with Christ in heaven for a thousand years after his coming. And then the wicked after the thousand years will be resurrected to come to life. Now watch what happens. What's Satan's final move? Are you ready for this, y'all? Are you ready? Oh, help me to show this thing. Reveal it, Lord. I'm about to tell you why Satan is after you. It's not just to kill you. He's got a plan. And I'm going to tell you this. He crazy. He, no, listen. Satan is so evil. You cannot even, you cannot, you cannot objectify, calculate how evil he is. I mean, let's just think of some stuff that he has done. The molestation of children. It takes somebody evil to put a thought in a parent's mind. I am going to molest my, he is evil. He's evil. Now let me show you how evil he is. And every sin he tries you to get you to commit is all leading up to this moment. This is his strategy. Wake up. Here it goes. The Bible says. When the thousand years are over, Satan will be released from his prison and he will go out to deceive the nations. Now, now, hold on. Pastor, I thought you said everybody was dead. But remember, there's a second resurrection. God resurrected all the wicked that had died. Stay here. Bless your heart. I hope that none of us are in that second resurrection. But watch this now. I want you to envision this thing. Satan has been chilling for a thousand years trying to figure out how to be God. And then God, at the end of the thousand years, the time is over. God releases him to do whatever he wants. And the Bible says, then God, it's almost like God is helping him. God resurrects all the evil people that have died that were not in Christ. That could be any, that could be the preacher. That could be your grandmother. Stop thinking that wicked people are all murderers and evil and, and sex hungry. You, the only thing that it takes to be wicked is not to accept Christ. He is going to allow him to gather up all those throughout every generation that has ever lived. Wicked people from before the flood. Geniuses. And he's going to say, let's pull our forces together. The Bible says he goes out to deceive the nations in the four corners of the earth. He goes to every place on the earth. China and Russia. Africa. United States of America. Every powerful man. Every weak man. Every rich, strong woman, boy and girl. He gathers them together, the Bible says. And the Bible says he gathers them together for battle. I'm telling you about the fight of your life. Hear me now. This is amazing to me. This is mind-blowing. Satan is now allowed to do his thing. And he seeks to deceive again. He's still lying. After a thousand years, he still can't come up with a truthful statement. And he pulls all the... And we're talking about billions of people. Trillions. In the graves, they come out wicked as they were when they died. And he says, all right, let's go to battle. 
he says, and in number, they are like the sand on the seashore. They march. They march across the breadth of the earth and surround the camp of God's people, the city he loves. Now, I told you again. At this point, there has been, there has been, uh, the Lord has not descended from heaven with the holy city. So somehow, and we don't know why, the Bible doesn't explain this, but somehow Satan, through his, through his wickedness and through the ingenuity of man, has come up with some kind of strategy to pull people from all generations throughout Earth's history, alive, trillions of people, to marshal them for war. You would think by now that he would say, I, I, I surrender. The Bible says they march across, they march like he's trained them for war. And they surround the camp of God's people, the city he loves. I don't know how they pull it off, but they find a way to get too close to heaven. Well, the Bible says, but fire came down. Did you hear what I just... Okay, this is what I'm saying. Here's what I'm saying. Stay with me. What is Satan's plan? He just doesn't want to kill you. What he's doing is he's training you to listen to him. All right? He's training you to listen to him so that when you're lost, he has an army big enough to try to kill Jesus one more time. Now, can I break down what I just told you? Every sin then is an attempt by the devil. Every time you want your way, every time you go against God, it is Satan getting you comfortable with listening to him so that when there's a second resurrection and you are with the wicked, when he tells you, now this is amazing to me, there, I'm telling you, we're not talking about just a bunch of criminals. We're talking about people who just didn't accept Christ. Satan's going to say to them, let's go kill Jesus. And people are going to be, all right, all right, let's go. You probably say to yourself, I would never listen to the devil. I would never, I would never go along with a plan like that to go kill Jesus. My mother is saved and I see some of my children there, but I'm lost simply because I couldn't forgive somebody. And I'm lost simply because I couldn't get my act together. I'm lost simply because I would not accept Christ. I'm lost because I would not be baptized. I'm lost because I would not surrender to God. I'm lost because I would not trust the truth. Yes. And those kind of people are going to hear Satan and say, let's do it. He deceived them before he'll deceive them again. It's the same strategy. Remember, when Christ comes back, he's going to speak and people are going to know his voice. The same thing with Satan. When they are resurrected from, 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 from damnation, he's going to speak and people are so used to listening to Satan. The Bible says he is going to change himself into an angel of light, Corinthians says. The devil is not going to present himself like the devil. He's going to present himself like Jesus and he's going to say to everybody, let's go kill Satan. He's going to try to make Jesus look like, are y'all hearing me? If you are not in the word of God, if you are not living the word, deep in the word, consecrated to the word, when that time comes, you will say to Satan, I serve. I'm at your command. 
And the Bible says, I don't know how they'll do it. I don't know how. I don't know if they'll utilize technology or, I don't know, but they will marshal themselves together. And I want you to envision this now. They are coming up. The Bible says that hell, that the flames of hell, and the, uh, let me go back. Let me go. The Bible says, but fire came down from heaven and devoured them. Oh, Lord, have mercy. And the devil who deceived them, I'm about to get beside myself, was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur. Where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown, they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Watch this now. And then the Bible says, when Satan is burned up, hallelujah. I, I've envisioned that thing. Can you imagine standing with Jesus in heaven watching the enemy? And some of us are going to see loved ones trying to come and kill us in Jesus. And then out of nowhere, divine fire will consume the wicked. And none of us will mourn for them. We will not cry. We will not hang our heads down. We would have studied the books for a thousand years. And we see that on, hmm. What's today's date? On, on, on March the 22nd. I tried to get, I used that young preacher to get their attention, but they told me no. And you're standing there saying, look, I know you, but you can't save them. I, I saw how you took, how there was a million times in their lifetime where you tried to reach them and they wouldn't respond. I get it, Father. I get it. And then they see, I allowed them to be in that car accident. And that was a time for them to wake up and see themselves and call on my name and they still went back to their old ways I allowed them to get shot at and then I sent somebody right in the nick of time and then instead of them getting shot it missed them by the I sent my angel and they still are not listening I sent them the truth of my word and taught them my commandments but they willingly walked away from the commandments of God what more can I do I put him in a Christian home. I, love, I mean, understand now, we're talking about a God that loves you. And all your life, thank you, Jesus. He's been pleading for your soul and putting you in situations and in circumstances, even the bad stuff that has happened to you. God has used that stuff to try to save you. Hallelujah. And then when Satan marshals up all the wicked and tries to come against them, I don't know about you, but I got to say this tonight. Satan can go to hell. He is going to burn for every single sin he has done. Burn in hell. Burn in hell. I don't know about you, but I don't want to burn with him. Come on, say amen. The Lord's been mighty good to me. The Bible says once he has consumed Satan and the wicked with fire and purified the earth. The Bible says then I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down. Is that clear? Out of heaven, from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. What God is going to do, go ahead and play. I surrender all my brother. What God is going to do is, (laughs) see, understand this. Please hear me. What is God after? He just wants you. Hear me, please. Please. 
please, we, I have sacri- we have sacrificed our three weeks to say this. He loves you. He loves you. And everything that you've been through, that he's allowed you to go through, and that he's doing in you, is to save you. He sees the car coming. It's about to hit you. He's trying to get you out of the way. You cannot wait any longer. And see, the pro- this is the problem with telling God, maybe, wait, not now, I'm not ready. What that does is, that makes you comfortable with listening to the devil. Because the only person that would tell you to wait to give your life to Christ is Satan. And Satan is simply trying to get you comfortable with his voice. So that when that day comes and he says, let's take Jesus, you are saying, I'm down. Let's do it. Open up your eyes and see him on the cross. All he wants to do, and this is amazing to me. Christ is going to take his home, his headquarters, after he purifies the earth, the Bible says. And he's going to bring it. And he's going to make his headquarters right here. He wants to be with you. The Bible says there, and I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, behold, the tabernacle of God is with men and he will dwell with them. Hallelujah. Huh? And they shall be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. The Bible said there should be no more tears. Can we say a little no more? There'll be no more tears, no more sorrow, no more sorrow. No more crimes, no more cancer, no more falling to sin, no more rape, no more adultery, no more breaking his Sabbath, no more sickness, huh? no more breaking up of families, no more divorce, huh? no more children that are crying because they have nothing to eat, no more sin. No more robbers and no more murderers and and no more gun violence and and no more Trayvon Martin stories. No more stories like Whitney Houston just got the report today. Cocaine in her system. That's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to take you all the way up. Give you the world. No more of that. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. No more. And I don't know about you. I see myself standing with Jesus. My arms are locked with his. I see myself standing with my my wife and and my two children. You got to see yourself there. I said you got to see yourself there. Don't you think for a second you're lost. The only way you can be lost is if you choose to be. I see myself there with my mother and my father and my church family. And I don't know about you. I don't know how you get down in church. But when I see Jesus and when I made it to heaven, I'm going to shout and I'm going to worship and I'm going to dance and I'm going to shout hallelujah. He saved me. Heaven was cheap enough. Come on in here, somebody. Every trial was worth it. Every experience was worth it. Every sickness was worth it. Every heartache was worth it. Every disappointment was worth it. Your daddy leaving you. Don't worry. God saved you. It's worth it. That's why the Bible says all things. How many want to see his face? How many don't want to listen to the enemy? No more. 
Look, don't tell nobody else to go to hell, but tell him, go to hell. That's where he belongs. Let me show you this scripture. I got to show you this. I got to show you this text. Now watch this. This is from that book we gave you. Darkness before dawn. Let me see that pastor. These truths are in this book. You got to read this thing. Watch this. The aim of the great rebel has ever been to justify himself and to prove the divine government responsible for the rebellion. To this end, he, Satan, has bent all the power of his giant intellect. He has worked deliberately and systematically and with marvelous success, leading vast multitudes to accept his version of the great controversy, which has been so long in progress. For thousands of years, this chief of conspiracy has palmed off falsehood for truth. But the time has now come when the rebellion is to be finally defeated. Come on, say amen, somebody. And the history and character of Satan disclosed in his last great effort to dethrone Christ and to destroy his people and take possession of the city of God. The arch deceiver has been fully unmasked. That's what we've done tonight. We have exposed him. Those who have united with him see the total failure of his cause. Christ's followers and the loyal angels behold the full extent of his works and machinations against the government of God. He is the object of universal abhorrence. In other words, people will finally see what he's been up to. But I'm telling you, don't wait till then. See it now. Yeah. I'm going to end with some hope here. But do not forget this one thing. I want you to begin praying for your heart now. Dear friends, with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years. And a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you. Not wanting, he don't want you to be lost, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Oh, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God. And speed is coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in heat. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven. Come on in here. And a new earth where righteousness dwells. How can we be lost except we choose? Father, right now, there is somebody in this place that has heard every word I said. No, they've heard every word you said. And their mind is made up. But the enemy right now is already telling them, no, you don't need to, you don't need to join no church. You don't, you, you're not, see, you're not good enough. Look at all that stuff you've done. He's a liar. Father, I pray that you will send angels to shut the mouths of the demons right now that will be holding people in their seats. They are thinking of every excuse as to why they will not accept Christ and come back to him and, and serve him. But Father, we realize what Satan is doing. He wants us to, to practice listening to him so that we hear his voice instead of God's voice. We don't want to be confused. We want to know God's voice. So right now, Father, any voice that tells them that they should not accept Christ, that they should join the church, that they should not be baptized, banish it right now. 
My appeal tonight is very simple. You don't want to be lost. You want to be saved. But you have to accept Christ and surrender all to him. Everything to him. I'm telling you, if you trust him, he will show you a life better than what you've had. Some of you are saying right now, well, I'm afraid. I'm going to miss out on all the fun. But you've been enjoying fun. How's that been working for you? You got no money. You're broke. You got nothing but problems and heartaches and regrets and pains. Your body is sick. You've got, you're, you're full of, of guilt and shame. See, the devil lied to you. You got no happiness. You got no peace. You can't sleep at night. You're angry. That's the devil's plan. But Jesus says, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. My appeal is very simple. Number one, somebody... You've heard the voice of the Lord speaking to you and you need to be baptized and join this church. I want to invite you to move out of your seat and come to him right now. I want to invite you to come to him right now. As the Lord is leading you, come right now. This is not game time. This is not game time. This is serious stuff. And understand, right in this minute, there are two voices that are talking to you. One is the Lord and one is Satan. That's it. You've got to practice. Thank you, Jesus. You've got to practice telling God yes. You ought to move right now. If God is telling you, I know you're talking to me, Pastor. I need to give my life to God fully. I can't just come to church. I need to surrender my life to him. I invite you to move right now. Right now.